This is Southern Tier Close-Up on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. And this is the Southern Tier Close-Up, a weekly public affairs presentation of this station. Joining me from the wilds of Tioga County, I always say that from anybody that's from Owego that I have on the program. <laughs> the chair of the Tioga County Legislature, Martha Sabri. Welcome to the program this morning. Marty, how you doing? Great. Thank you for inviting me to gosh. participate. You and I have known each other for, gosh, how long? Long time. I've been around a long time. I don't like to <laughs> tell, tell people quite how long, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you didn't, you've didn't. you been the chair of the legislature for a while now, too. Yes. Yep. Seven or eight years. Plus, I was on the legislature before that. Right. And then, of course, I worked 15 years uh, for the wonderful Tio County Chamber of Commerce. Um, so very similar in many ways as far as being involved with the community. Well, yeah, yeah, but no. I mean, cheerleading for Tioga County, yeah, but never in your dreams as a young Martha, did you ever think that you would be putting out daily COVID-19 updates for four months and no foreseeable end in sight? That is correct. That is the ongoing nightmare. (laughs) What? More COVID today? More complaints? It does take up my entire day. My job has changed significantly. Well, we talked a lot to, obviously, Jason Garner here in Broome County. Tioga County, you know, our, our, our little sister, if you will. I mean, not really so much. I mean, you guys have got such a big economic base there as well. But being impacted by this virus has just, just been absolutely nuts. And it's not like Tioga County is flying under anybody's radar when it comes to the impact of what all has been happening since mid-March. Correct. So, of course, we have uh, fewer resources, so we have to get a little innovative uh, to address all the needs. So we have um, a great team of people working in public health. They are my champions. We've been working, as as your team has in Broome County, you know, seven days a week since March, whatever, 17th or 14th, whatever day it began. It's right about St. Patrick's Day. Yes. And they've been working, and now, you know, they've kind of staggered the shifts a little bit, so they're getting a little bit of a break, but they've been on it the entire time, just doing a fantastic job. Our emergency management team, they've been great supplying uh, personal protective gear to those who need it, emergency services, and, of course, nursing homes. We have two nursing homes in Tioga County, but they are independently owned. Right. So it's a little different situation than Broome, but we still want to help them uh, in every way we can. The Department of Health at the state level is responsible for overseeing and helping them, but they needed more help. So we have been coming to the rescue on a few things, uh, providing desperately needed uh, mask and that kind of thing. How advantageous or detrimental has it been the fact that Tioga County and other counties are all lumped together in the southern tier region? What is there, seven counties that are involved? Has that helped you or hurt you when it comes to dealing with this whole thing and getting resources and getting guidance from Albany, for Pete's sake? 
So I will say the southern tier, what we call that southern tier control room, and that's all of the counties that are in the um, economic development group, uh, REDEC groups. Um, first of all, the leaders of each county have been absolutely great, amazing, outstanding, helpful, cooperative with one another. Our contact, and we're upstate, okay, and we are rural. Yeah, believe it or not. I mean, <laughs> Binghamton, rural counties, we've got rural spaces there. So uh, our numbers uh, weren't as great. The situation is much different than, of course, by the city, which we all know. Um, so it has been advantageous. I think people are spread out a little bit more. I don't know if they're more careful or not. Uh, nowadays, people have pretty much had it with uh, behaving. <laughs> So yeah, which is unfortunate. Yes, but um, we've made out very well, in my estimation. We've had good communication with the state. Uh, Kara Griffin is our contact with the state. Of course, you know, she's a local girl. Very responsive. If there's an issue, we call or send an email, and they are on it. So uh, cannot complain about that. Well, there's been frustration expressed in Broome County about certain retailers and like the shopping mall and gyms and bowling alleys and such, which Tioga County has, you know, gyms and bowling alleys and stuff. But you yep. guys have got some a real big burr under the, the saddle with waiting to find out what the heck is going on with Tioga Downs. Obviously, Broome County also having a vested interest in getting casino revenues with that. Yep. What is going on with, you must be getting phone calls like every other day from Jeff Garral and, and whoever over at Tioga Downs. Yes, so I do, yes. And of course, uh, Tioga Downs, they have been wonderful citizens, community partners to for many organizations throughout the Southern Tier and just wonderful people, great employers, 602 employees there, so to speak. And I don't know if you realize it, but yesterday a warn notice was sent out from Tioga Town saying yeah. October 1st they're going to close and let all the people go. So, um, yes, talk with Mr. Garral numerous times. And then, of course, carry the message to the state. Uh, he, they have been speaking with the racing and wagering people, but um, that is a very big concern. We absolutely want that business entity to open, and I and they have a plan, and they've sent the plan. They sent the plan to me about how they're going to handle the horses, how they did that. Uh, we just have to wait for the governor uh, to, and his people that are studying this, to have the confidence that they can open uh, with the element of safety that the governor's going to feel comfortable with. The thing of it is, is Turning Stone is open. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, they're doing whatever they kind of want to do. Yes, they have some rules, but nothing like what Mr. Gorrell has laid out. And that's a Native American-operated Casino, yes, correct? it is. Okay. Yes, it is. So they have different rules. Um, so, uh, yes, it's a big frustration, and we absolutely want them to open. We're doing everything we can. I reach out to Jason and Chris Moss from Shimong, and I say, hey, come on, guys, make some calls, and let's shake the trees. And, you know, they 
step up and do what they can to try to draw attention to this issue. Well, these things have been changing on a day-to-day basis. You know, know, one second we hear that people can't get together, and all of a sudden you hear from the governor, yeah, we're opening this or we're opening that. It seems like it would behoove the state. I mean, they went through such big deals to get these casino licenses and the, the the revenue that was bringing getting brought in from the state and the millions of dollars these casino operators had to lay out for the licensing fees, it seems it would be in the best interest of New York State. I understand the whole health and safety thing, but still, the, when other things have been allowed to reopen, it, it still seems that the health and safety balances out with the revenue. I mean, just my personal opinion, which I don't usually offer on this program. <laughs> Yeah, so, and the thing, it doesn't matter what I think, it's the governor's making the decision with under guidance of other people, of course, um, information he's given, you know, and he's going to look at the data. I just, we just have to wait. Yeah, I want to. I want to make clear to people too. If anyone is all of a sudden going, "Oh well, Kathy's got a gambling problem," I no, I think I've no. been I've been to Tioga Downs maybe three times, <laughs> three mm-hmm. or four times. But I mean, I've just seen what the casino has meant to the community, as far as and the philanthropic work that Mr. Garral does throughout the community. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's a wedding venue, and it's an yeah. event venue, and lovely restaurants, and. Believe it or not, you can go there. You don't have to gamble. You can spend the day. Right. Watch the horses. So it it isn't, uh, it's a place where you can go and enjoy and not get in any trouble. Uh, very much want them to open. So we just, just have to wait. I'm really praying that they can open in August. We'll see. We'll see. For the businesses in Tioga County, this once again gets kind of back to your roots with the Chamber of Commerce. What is, I know a number of programs in, in regionally and on the more local levels are working to help the small businesses, to medium businesses, and maybe even right. the large businesses navigate through this whole thing. What does Tioga County have as far as information for those that are located in your borders? So um, we have an economic development team. We call it Team Tioga. It's under the leadership of Lee Antony. It's the Economic Development Department. It's the IDA working with the Chamber. And they have been working with all of the businesses. They formed a recovery team. They pass on and inform business leaders about the loans that are available they answer questions. They've just done an excellent job of helping out businesses, small businesses, larger businesses, uh, providing information and helping them get what the financial backing that they need to get through this. Now, um, many businesses, I don't want to say many, some businesses, you know, have people working remotely. Lockheed mm-hmm. still has a lot of people working remotely. Our small mom and pops are starting to open. However, quite cautiously, I thought when retail businesses could open, it'd be like crazy land that people would be running into the stores. Not so much. People are very cautious. They're taking their time. The shop owners are implementing all the necessary protocols. So it's a small, a slow building situation, I would say. 
That can be good and bad. I mean, yeah. these poor businesses that had to be totally shuttered for so long, now operating, at, and then the restaurants were operating at reduced capacity, mm-hmm. just trying to stay afloat. And we know, realistically speaking, not everybody's going to make it. No, no. But the interesting thing is some of the restaurants and business reinvented themselves, I want to say. They figured out, well, they can do some sales online. They can do takeout. They can, uh, like the Wiggle Kitchen came up with, you know, like a dinner meal. And they'll say, okay, on Wednesday, this is what we're serving. And for so much money, you can buy this meal. It's already just popping in the oven. I mean, they have been so creative. I think that's the thing that's going to keep them alive is, is that kind of using Facebook to market themselves. Uh, show items for sale. So that's helping them. So um, just hopeful that everybody will be up and running 100% soon. Well, before we run out of time, the um, pachyderm in the room, everybody from businesses to governments have been hit really hard in the wallet. What is you, are you, how are you doing, Marty? How are you doing oh, when you look at the rest. budget? I mean, when you look at the county's budget, what the heck? So I'm going to give you a terrible figure. In May, we had a loss of 42% in sales tax income. Um, things are looking a little better. I haven't gotten accurate numbers yet. But, um, but the, the good thing for Tioga County is we have a fund balance that will sustain us so that we do not this year, so that we will not pass it on to the taxpayers through their property taxes. We think the governor is going to continue with the uh, 2% level that we have to stay at. Some counties are not going to be able to do that. Some counties are having millions of dollars of loss. We believe we're going to lose probably $5 million this year, but we can handle that. Next year is going to be the problem. And the other elephant in the room is we do not know what the state is going to hold back in funding. We're starting to see a um, 20% withholding in payments to um, mental health, that kind of thing. They're saying you could get it back, but it all depends on if the federal government right. comes in. We're looking at Washington. Which, yep. So, And we can't, it's going to be very difficult to do a budget, and we're in the pro- budget process now, so how are we going to make up a budget if we have no idea what we're going to have? Uh, well, you, the crystal ball, you should have ordered that on eBay like everybody <laughs> else, you know? Oh, yeah. I'm telling you, it's government, there's never a dull moment these days. <laughs> never a dull moment. And, you know, you have to keep your sense of humor or you just aren't going to make it. Well, thank you very much for taking time. I know you're busy. And uh, keep that sense of humor, and we're going to keep pulling. We're all going to make this together, as everyone's saying. And as I've been saying to everybody when I do one of these shows is, just remember, every day that passes, we're one day closer to the end of this. (laughs) (laughs) One day closer to it all being over. (laughs) Uh, Yes, and I will keep that in mind. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for being my guest. This has been the Southern Tier Close-Up, a weekly public affairs presentation of this station. This program was recorded for broadcast at this time. I'm Kathy White for the Southern Tier Close-Up. Converge right before your eyes.